How do you do? Mr. Carl Emily feels it would be a little unkind to present this picture without just a word of friendly warning. It is one of the strangest tales ever told. It deals with the two great mysteries of creation, life and death. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now is your chance to... Uh, well, we've warned you. Lucky crowbar on the table next to those cans of spam. On the table? Yes. Over there? Yes. I'm hoping you're pointing to the table where the spam is at. I will retrieve it. Thank you. Please hurry. I am running out of air. Is this it? I can't see what you're talking about, Boris. I'm only hoping you have the crowbar. Now, take the... What the hell are you doing? I'm using the crowbar. That is not how you use a crowbar. Take the curved end with the teeth on it. Then, wedge it between the coffin lid and just below the coffin lid. Stuck. Oh, this isn't good. I don't think I'm ever going to get out of here. Cut Boris, please, do me a favor. Please, tell the listeners what today's episode is about. Don't think I'm going to make it. Oh, um, okay. I will do that. Stay put. I will be right back. Please, just intro the episode. You are doing more harm at this point. This week is week three of the Radcast Five Weeks of Fright. On this episode, they will be talking about the Universal Movie Monsters. So stick around, boys and girls, and we will be right back. Dracula. I bid you welcome. Listen to them, children of the night. 
we actually set up an atmosphere for this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This would work a lot better if it was a visual podcast, but hey, just taking some notes for when it is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If you're if you're listening, what we've got right now is we've got some candles set up in the yeah. studio. We've got a little jack-o'-lantern going in the background. Uh, I've got Dracula playing in the background, so we're really, all the lights are off. We're creating yeah. a good atmosphere for week three of uh, five, five weeks, weeks of fright. fright. I almost feel like, you know, um, I almost feel like we should be whispering, although we're in our yeah. own apartment. Um, but, yeah, uh, so all the all that being said, Matt, the reason Dracula is up and the reason we got our Universal Monster movie book, our Universal, I guess, Monster Universal Monsters book, we got this mm-hmm. book for our birthday a couple of years ago. It, it it's just this almost this compendium of all of the Universal monsters mm-hmm. or the monsters from Universal, starting from the early '30s into the '50s. Because today, on week three of Five Weeks of Fright, we are talking the Universal monsters. And with us is returning guest, a man who is after our own heart when it comes to this. Uh, Jeremy He's a man. You shameless flatterer. <laughs> this is this the no, this is the first time you've recorded the Radcast in our here in, in yeah. our, at your house, yeah. Our grounds. Yeah. 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 The, the last time I actually did one was for Proper Gents. Yeah. And it was for Spider Man. Yeah, it was for Spider Man game. Mm-hmm. Uh with Zach. So mm-hmm. So welcome back. Hopefully we've Thank created you. a good atmosphere. I love it. This is great. I just stepped outside. I actually didn't know you were outside. I just I guess I just had a hunch. And I stepped feeling. outside and you just you were getting out of your car, mm-hmm. and I while I was out there, I noticed you, and I noticed the weather's perfect outside. Oh, it's awesome! Mm-hmm. It's so wonderful. I love this time of the year. Uh, Jess and I talk about this all the time, and she's always she loves summer, which is fine. Sure. Like I understand, like if you're a lunatic. <laughs> well, and I, so I'm from Indiana, so like I love more temperate temperatures. So yeah. when it's when it's a hot day to me is 80s yeah you know I, I mean 90s aren't like an extreme but like it didn't get to 90s that often in indiana like there'll be like maybe three days during the summer yeah where it's in 90s here it's just a reality right <laughs> like it's the just, 90s is how it gets it's like 90s is just uh, that's that's how it is it's the summer you got a deal and so mm-hmm. for me it's just like it's hot yeah <laughs> so i love the uh the the fall shorts or uh, shorts and hoodie weather, as yeah, I call yeah. it, I yep. I love that Flannel time of year. Yeah, like being stuff. able to wear that and feel comfortable. I yeah. I was I was on Facebook this morning. And I saw pictures of like friends who have kids, and then like I see them at like their kids' soccer games, mm-hmm. and they're sitting there in like hoodies, and so like hoodies and jeans yes. is great fall morning attire. I love that. that. I just I love and yeah. or they got like a coffee in their hand. Mm-hmm. Or yes. That's just. I love that when you get to like a fall festival mm-hmm. as yes. well yeah. and you see a lot of hoodies and jeans. There's just something about Agreed. that attire that strikes a chord with me, especially it, this time of year. It goes back to a simpler time, yeah. um, especially around this time of year with Halloween. We're almost right in the middle, right in the thick of October. Yeah, and, and the weather's uh, cooperated yeah, thus far. And these la- these yeah, last, these last <laughs> almost couple like of right on cue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. oh yeah. Uh, these last couple of episodes of Five Weeks of Fright, you've got to listen to me and Matt kind of regale you about um, our love for the season, kind of some of our memories in regards to as we got a little older, um, this episode we're going to really dive, I know for me, dive kind of closer back to when I was in elementary school and then of course Mm -hmm. now and of course in college and in high school. Um, But my affinity for 
the look and the presentation and the feel of these universal movies and of how it plays into this season for me really starts back in elementary school. Right. Yeah. Um, So you you mentioned a look and a feel. Like I said uh, earlier, we have Dracula kind of playing on the TV in the background Mm -hmm. and it's just getting to where in Dracula's castle when he gets out of his coffin and it's like the slow, the iconic slow zoom in at at Bela Lugosi as Mm -hmm. Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And and we'll we'll definitely touch on, because Dracula was the first big monster hit for Universal, but it wasn't their first monster release or release of you know the quote-unquote horror genre or something frightening uh for that you have to kind of go back to the silent era Mm -hmm. so a lot of these german expressionist films like they didn't they didn't produce nosferatu or cabin of dr caligari but when the rights went up for sale carl limley who created universal um acquired the rights and they were released via universal so someone like Counterlock and Nosferatu can be seen as one of the first templates for a universal monster. Yeah, um, right. he or, produced the vast majority of the yeah, originals yeah, anyway. Yeah. Oh yeah, or the and man who laughs. Yeah, the man. Yeah. You know, right. these, these silent era, Lon, the Lon Chaney, Lon Chaney Senior. Lon yeah. Chaney is, Senior. He he is the not the archetype, but he he's he's the precursor to the Bela Lugosi's, to the Boris Karloff's, to mm-hmm. his son Lon Chaney Jr., Cloud right. Rain, stuff like that. And the man of a thousand faces. The man of yep, a thousand exactly. faces who doesn't, like, only, I feel like only movie buffs bring him up when it comes to dedication to their craft. Right. You know, you've got your Leonardo DiCaprio's and Joaquin Phoenix and stuff like that, and it really dates all the way back to the silent era with the... the what Lon Chaney Sr. would put his body through for mm-hmm. something like the Phantom of the Opera or the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what's great about him, too, is that he would also not just, I mean, he would do the acting, obviously, mm-hmm. but he would also do his own makeup. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And Which his, is the makeup, unbelievable. Yeah, and that's kind of what, like, whether you... I mean, it, it's a silent movie age. It's a very different time. Whether you mean to or not... Uh, it had a profound impact on the mm-hmm. genre. So, I mean, you can't, I don't think there's any way that you could say that, you know, Clive Barker or um, any number of makeup uh, artists mm-hmm. in their craft couldn't point back to Lon Chaney Sr. Oh, and say yeah. he was probably the one that kind of started all of this, yeah. really. Yeah. Right. Um, and was able to do it. <clears throat> excuse me at at that age it was very grotesque very oh, like yeah. like shocking very yeah. kind of amazing at the, at oh, the yeah. time for yeah. what he had to work with well, when, so in in the phantom of the opera when his mask is taken off oh yeah that mm-hmm. iconic scene of him like reacting and is super surprised and, and you get this first look at him without his mask and the the creature the Phantom has no nose and his yep. eyes are kind of mm-hmm. are sunken. Bulging out. Are, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, they're sunken in, but like they're super yeah, wide yeah. and right. Super expressive. <laughs> you have to, he had, he came up with these certain tricks of the trade that right were, were built upon. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, that it, it's one of those things where you look at it and now you can CGI something like that, of course, but you, he actually had, he, he, you had to have this toolbox of tools mm-hmm. of tricks and, and this ingenuity about right. him to create such like, you said use the word grotesque right. i think these silent movies if you're creating something that's horror driven you can't you don't have the luxury of dialogue to illustrate something sinister right so these monsters got their looks because like you're supposed to be afraid of this antagonist so people like lon chaney 
uh, or Max Shrek, who yeah. didn't look right. too far off from Count Orlock, um, or um, Conrad Veidt, who was uh, Gwendolyn and um, and the man who laughs, and right, Doctor yeah. yeah, Calgary, yeah. he was the monster. They had to be they had to be made up to look grotesque, mm-hmm. right. to look macabre. Well, what's interesting about uh, so the man who laughs, the guy that did the make it, Jack Pierce, mm-hmm. who did the makeup for that. And the man who laughs, uh, it's very uh, famous image. Rick Rick yes. Yeah. yes, yeah, and it's uh, inspiration for the Joker. Yeah. Right. Um, he actually went on to, I think after Lon Chaney Sr., he went on to do most of the makeup for, well, I should say most of it, a lot of the, the iconic mm-hmm. looks for yeah. the Universal movies yeah. after the Frank fact. He did, he did the iconic look for yeah. Boris Karloff for Frankenstein. He did Wolfman. He did, I believe he did The Mummy. Yeah, Ooh, I could be wrong, yeah. but I. But anyway, those. It, it's really interesting, kind of like how, inter, especially those early days, mm-hmm. kind of how mm-hmm. interlocking everybody yeah, kind yeah. of was. Well, and that becomes a trend too with the actors. Like a, yeah. as as you get into the thick of Universal horror and Universal Studios monsters, right. you've got Boris Karloff. Boris Karloff and Bela Lugosi were are like the two heavy hitters, right? And, and right. sometimes, like Bela and then Lon Chaney Jr. After Lon Chaney Jr. would come in, they would all yeah. be in movies with each other, especially mm-hmm. Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff, yeah. right? And then you get like side actors like Edward Van Sloan, yeah, yeah, who played, played Van Helsing, and Van Helsing, and Dwight and, Fry, and Dwight Fry, oh, I love Dwight yeah. Fry, He's Renfield, Renfield, and Dracula. I think you would there be hard right pressed yeah. to find a more frightening manicness Mm -hmm. just from like just from just watching somebody yeah i remember the first time and i i I, do you want to just jump right in right now (laughs) that's perfect because i was like there i was was like one or two steps away from asking you what was your your first exposure to this universe so the first one i ever saw was dracula Mm -hmm. which is probably the best part be- probably the best place to start. You yeah. can say Frankenstein, but I almost I would almost say Dracula. Post just, post silent era Dracula right. is the best place to start. It's mm-hmm. just it's just such a great movie on so many levels. You can yeah. still watch it today. Right. And it's probably not to say that the other movies are bad. It is right. probably the most watchable one. Sure. Right. The, probably the most easily to watch one cuz it's just entertaining, it's right. spooky, it's just got the yeah. best atmosphere. The cinematography for that time is great. Like, oh, yeah. and I'm watching it now on on the screen, yeah. and actually, like on Blu-ray, the clarity of it is so crystal clear. It's so yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um the the first time I ever watched Dracula, um, it actually wasn't that long ago. Um, it was I was probably in my teens anyway, but I. Uh, I just knew that they existed. The movies existed. Right. And I was like, you know, these have been around for years. Yeah. So like, I kind of want to just see what they're all about. They're supposedly horror movies, you know? And right. so I watched it and it was, it wasn't per se scary, but I understood sure, at right. the end of it, why it was such a groundbreaking mm-hmm. yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, Dwight Fry's uh, Renfield. Renfield in that movie is so eerie and so creepy. I'm watching it now. He's just, he's so proper and he's so Mm -hmm. like before, but like after that, his change into just madness, that opening scene where like they, he goes back with Dracula, like to the Mm -hmm. United States and that coffee. To England. Or to England. Sorry, you're right. You're right. To England. Excuse me. And they open up the ship's cargo hold and he's just standing there just, 
It's <sighs> just like a, yeah, like you know, like doing that, like laughing, and yeah. it's the most eerie, disturbing thing. Yeah, I've seen, like it for like from an old movie like that, and it's just it still sticks with me to this day. To where like I'm like, man, that was that was so well done. Yeah, because, even for the time, there's, it's there, very timeless. What, what's, yeah. I think what adds to it is there's there's. And we can touch on this a little more when we're done with kind of a first experience and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Dracula and with these earlier talkies just in general, there is no orchestral accompaniment. Yeah. Because yeah. they, they didn't know how to incorporate it. Yeah. Um, still very, very new yeah, it was still, to the cause, genre. Because yeah. in, silent, in silent movies, they would have an orchestra and a pit playing along with it. Right. So directors and producers and everybody, they didn't know... Like, how do you incorporate, how do we work with it with dialogue and everything? So Dracula, especially, it's just these long panning shots and these long holding shots on activity, but there's no music to accompany it. So that moment when they're opening up the the hold and the ship that Renfield and Dracula are traveling from Transylvania to England from, when Renfield is manically just like laughing at the police and laughing to himself about there's no what, like what's come. Yeah. yeah, there's there's no there's no musical cue to indicate that this is danger. It's 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 unsettling because there is no music. Yeah. Well, and and yeah. as in 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 Dracula, since we're on Dracula right now, and that was sort of the inception or like the the infancy of talkies in for Universal Studios right. monsters. Because there's no music, even when they're blocking their scenes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's it's just the sound of film popping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just you just have the silence, and then maybe their footsteps and the film popping, and then there's a scene where there's wolves howling outside. Right. And you might have wind blowing us. It's just children of the night. Exactly. <laughs> Listen to them. Uh, what music they make? It's it's you almost. I can imagine in watching these throughout the week it's tough to put yourself back then and get why it was so scary mm-hmm. yeah. on that level i can see why that would be really scary with Bela lugosi being so um seductive as mm-hmm. dracula right there's no music so you as an audience member feel like you're there because yeah. you watch them in real time as they're moving around and his his scenes are lit in such a way to where every time he's putting somebody under his spell and he's mesmerizing mesmerizing someone um it it, it is your is that is that your text to speech? I guess it was, yeah, it just, was recorded it just started going. It, yeah. it, it picked up Steve and it work, was like, oh go go go! You work for the CIA? <laughs> you wearing a wire? It was really odd. Um, okay, but it, the the scenes are lit in such a way to where visually everything's kind of sh- in shadow and darkened out except Billy Lugosi's right. eyes. So that indicates somebody being taken under his control, yeah. mm-hmm. and he is such just. He just stares daggers right at the audience and at, at his at his target. You know what's great about that too is they they do something like that uh, in a few other movies too. Mm-hmm. They do that in the Mummy mm-hmm. yeah. when they uh, zoom in on Imhotep's face, when Boris Karloff's face, eyes. and they just show it. Like yeah. they do that probably four or five times yeah. within the course of that movie, mm-hmm. and it's just so effective. Yeah, it's haunting, and you're just like. It's just unnerving. Yeah. You you almost for a se- you know that this isn't the case, right? But sometimes like. You're looking at me. <laughs> He's like, you're like you're almost like kind of like double check yourself yeah. as the audience member thinking, While you're "Oh sleeping. man, yeah. me? you fell in love with me." Fell in love with me? <laughs> no, yes, all of you. All of you. <laughs> yeah, but um, that's a good pull. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's 
it's funny too that exactly what you're saying that uh, where they do the uh, the eyes, um, they actually um, parody that later in the Adams family with Morticia. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anytime Morticia is zoomed in on, yeah, they yeah, do yeah. the there's, exact there's same effect. Yeah. It's awesome. I love that. Uh, I'm I'm interested in knowing. So Jeremy, you said you had a you had a recognition of them. Obviously, you grew up with black and white movies, so yeah, you, you know, and you grew up being a fan of Halloween, and yeah. especially after their inception, mm-hmm. these are every the the monsters are everywhere in pop culture. Yeah, especially, especially with their inception, and then also how they were constantly re released theaters, and then the advent of VHS when they were re released on VHS. Yep. they've always been in our psyche and everything like that. So obviously they were around you. They were kind of shrouded in Halloween. So the first time you watched Dracula was you said in your teens, but did you have any experience with them just from besides them just being around like when you were younger? Uh, you know, it's funny. I actually was aware of them, uh, before I watched them, I, w- I was aware of them for years. Mm-hmm. Um, not because anybody had told me about them necessarily, right. but just you see them, like you said, like kind of it's just in the zeitgeist. It's yeah. there in the pop culture. Mm-hmm. And anytime Halloween would happen, uh, I mean, I probably saw them, I don't know, half a dozen times in a bunch of different commercials for mm whatever Doritos. around Halloween time. No, there was, there yeah. was a Doritos and yeah. Pepsi commercial. Oh, yeah. I remember very what? vividly. No deep. Yeah. <laughs> with Dracula yeah. and Frankenstein. Yeah. Frankenstein's carrying a big Pepsi and, truck. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 It was, I remember that. That was, that was really vivid. But like, even before that, like there was, uh, <laughs> this is going to date me a little bit, but there's, uh, uh, the Ninja Turtles had, I mean, back when they had the original toy line mm-hmm. yeah. uh, from Playmates, they had uh, an entire thing of, gosh, Renfield scene is on the screen. It's just so, <laughs> so It's so great. But um, anyway, so they, um, they did a universal movie monster line where yeah. uh, Michelangelo was Frankenstein. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I love that one because it glowed in the dark, like different parts oh, of his, nice. of yeah, his yeah. <laughs> glue in the dark. I thought it was amazing. It didn't work for crap. Yeah. <laughs> I it thought it was good. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they had that. They had like one of them was the Wolfman, one of them. And what was interesting about it is they had, I think one of them was like, oh, I don't even remember. Uh, it was like a, an alien from like this okay. island earth or something. Yeah, yeah. It was like, it, or not from this island. It was from something from another right. horror movie, sci-fi mm-hmm. movie. And I was like, I don't even know what this is from. Right. And that started curiosity. So I started yeah. like kind of doing yeah, yeah. a little bit of research, excuse me, mm-hmm. a little bit of research on that. Um, something that you might, ge- you guys might geek out about is another thing that kind of tipped me off to their existence. So my dad had these old comic books. Yeah. yeah. And in old comic books, they would have advertisements yes. for a yeah. bunch of these little model sets. Yep. And I can't remember the name of them. Uh, somebody that's a little bit older than me or kind of has an interest in this would be able to tell me what they are. But they were like murder monster things or like, I, oh gosh, I wish I knew what the name was. If, yeah. I, to- if I talked to my dad, he would know. 
but they had like these horror scenes. Yeah. And they were supposed nice. to be yeah. kind of like shocking. Yeah. But they had horror scenes and a lot of them starred the monsters. Mm-hmm. They had, uh, there was one for the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. There was nice. one for Creature of the Black Lagoon. There was one for Wolfman. There, and they had all of these and you could make sets of them. And I remember seeing that advertisement and thinking mm-hmm. that's kind of cool mm-hmm. as a kid. Like, I mean, and, and my dad would never, he wouldn't let me look at his comics for extended periods because he didn't want them ripped up. Now they're right. all... No, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't no, matter. Ripped I ripped them up because I took them and I didn't. Yeah. I didn't take care of them. I, that's one thing I wish I would have done. But um, th- they they were just in my mind from just from a very young age. Yeah. Um, and it was just kind of like it was just kind of happened that way. Yeah. You know, I probably was aware of them more than some of the other people. I mean, the the thing is nowadays, any horror movie nowadays it has to do with monsters or like the, all of our horror movies owe something to these movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the entire vampire genre yeah. owes us everything to Dracula. Yeah. A lot to the mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, how, how do you get rid of vampire? How do you kill vampires? Yeah. I mean, look at the Dracula movie. Yeah. Right. You could, you could also point to Bram Stoker's Dracula, obviously, yeah. right. but, but there the movies there are differences between right. the two. And then Twilight destroyed everything. Right. But <laughs> don't worry. Well, Bat- well. Batman will wash it all away. There you go. There you go. But no, I mean, like, uh, you know, the Mummy movies, they they are almost, at least the first one is almost exactly plot-wise the same as the it original has, Mummy yeah, movie. Yeah. It has that, has that feel to it as well, not just because it takes place in the 30s, but it's got like a, it's it's got a certain... The old serials yeah. from like a long time, you know, like yeah. did, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, same thing. Right. Yeah. Adventure right. serials from the, yeah. from the twenties and the thirties. Yeah. And I think it helps that the director was, uh, Steven, Steven Soderbergh, Summers. Steven, yeah. so- Summers. Steven Summers, Steven Summers. Yeah. Steven Summers. Yeah. I get him Steven Soderbergh just cause yeah. double S's. Uh, yeah. He, who actually does the, the forward to this universal oh, studios really? monsters book. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Um, and he, he's a big universal, I can tell, fan. and and that yeah. comes through in the the Brendan Fraser Mummy movies, um, but which I still contend is a is a good fun movie. I love. I, I know love people crap on it a lot. Mummies. I love those first. two I movies. love them. They're great. Um, so you you talked about like they they did they definitely they set the archetype for everything. Um, I mean, dra- the way Dracula speaks and everything yeah. impressions people do of vampires. That's exactly. Bela Lugosi because he's Hungarian. Yep. The mad scientist, the Frankenstein, Doc, Dr. Yeah. Frankenstein. That's a mad scientist. It's a lie. Exactly. Yeah. And then like who said like everybody and their brother that's been yeah. parodied a million times. Oh yeah. It's a lie. And, uh, and then just the way his laboratory looks yep. like all these yep. different machines and functions and everything like that's, in every everything that involves monsters, yeah. whether it's something that borrows for another horror movie or something for like kids, it's this the Universal movie universe provided that yeah. template. Where would we be? Uh, where would the Underworld movies be without uh, Wolfman? Yeah, exactly. Like, this whole thing about well, you know, werewolves and and the whole you know legacy and and mythology behind that like mm-hmm. it's just it's great it comes right. from that i mean frankenstein there's not as much there but i mean you can make almost any monster just mm-hmm. in general mm-hmm. just kind of has its roots i think kind of like from mary shelley's frankenstein i mean yeah. it's just frankenstein is is kind of a mix of zombie horror right just right. regular monster horror just i mean it's just it is 
legendary. It mm-hmm. it it. I mean, most everybody at least knows how it start. Where you know the the basic story of yeah. it. A guy, a scientist, just wants to reanimate a dead body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it. Uh, Plus, it gets into the it gets into taboo topics of like being sacrilegious because right. he's playing, he's playing God. God. Yeah, yeah. Right. especially Dude. in the Bride of Frankenstein. Absolutely. When you've got um, who's the Doctor Pretorius? Doctor Pretorius. Yeah, yeah. Who's, who's, who's the real villain? Yeah, of, refers yeah. to Bible stories as fairy tales. Like yeah. that yep. is super taboo. It's taboo now, but it's I mean, especially back then. Back, back then in, is you know, super 1930. taboo. 1936 or whenever the Bride of Frankenstein came out and plus you had for the longest time until the the VHS release of Frankenstein you had there's the line where um, the experiment quote unquote works you know or as far as Dr. Frankenstein knows it's worked and after the it's alive the manic it's alive it's alive it's alive (laughs) he's like I know what it means to be God and that was edited out via like louder thunder pops yeah um and so but like you said there were still i mean we talk about these movies that are banned and aren't have taboo subject matter today you want to talk another thing the universal movies like ushered in the the mpaa like yeah. the, like mm-hmm. the, yeah. the censorship boards yeah. that like the the, yeah, these, the uh, movie codes. Yeah, several of them are pre-code. Yeah, yeah. Were, were because <laughs> of the Universal movies mm-hmm. and maybe some of the gangster so flicks yep. from other production companies yeah. of the early 30s. Yeah, because of like okay, you know, we have to put our foot down somewhere. You know, talkies. You know, we can't just you know have innuendos and and these silent movies with images people now can or just have say disturbing things. gore yeah, yeah that too yeah exactly so yep. jeremy talked about frank we talked a lot about dracula kind of at the open here because dracula dracula for me as a kid was the most interesting it seemed because i was such a big funny enough i was such a big batman fan oh. and dracula had this dark brooding nature and he wore a cape and i always associated dracula Batman, yeah, you know, I never really thought of it that way, but yeah, yeah like it, it just, I've, I've always had this affinity for the, 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 the dark gothic. and the, the dreary, and yeah, the, the gothic, gothic and the yeah. brooding. Yeah, and Batman is very has very gothic elements, and Dracula right. has gothic elements, gothic imagery. Um, I have an affinity for cemeteries, so anything kind of in that old world, just hanging out, vein, eating your lunch just in sticking, a cemetery. You know what? Nobody's gonna bug me because everybody's dead. Uh, Company's better I, anyway. Honestly, I think that might be one of the reasons I do I like cemeteries so much because nobody's gonna bother me because they're all dead, uh, and I'm not gonna bother them. Exactly. I have great respect for Unless it. Unless it's a '90s commercial, and then like there'll be hands reaching up. Yes. <laughs> Or carry where yeah. the hand comes up at the end. <laughs> exactly. Um, not that, but you know, Dracula was was the one that I was most interested in. Like like you said, it was in Zeitgeist. Right. Growing up, they were Happy Meal toys. They were yeah. they were you know just the toys all around. I mean, just the these innocent Universal movies because of what you know growing up in the '90s before. Us, it was the '80s and the '70s where you got the gore and the grindhouse oh, yeah. and the slashers. Well, so I don't know this how many was so innocent to where it 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 your parents didn't have an issue yeah. letting you watch this stuff because yeah. they knew. I think it's nice that the the horror element is taken out for our generation because it helps us appreciate it in a different way. Yeah. Well, I don't know how many intellectual properties 
do like some sort of like universal spin on it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like like yeah. I, I mentioned the Ninja Turtles. I'm pretty sure there was a Looney Tunes one where they like all did different. Th- like yeah. I think like Taz was like the 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 Wolfman. And I think Bugs was like Frankenstein. But like, there's so many other things that will like use the monsters mm-hmm. for like a Halloween promotion or yeah. something like but that. Simpsons had Burger King toys in the early yeah, 2000s. It's great. I love that though. Like, they keep those those movies and those uh, kind of just like the the stories alive. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think it introduces it to a whole new audience. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas, you know, a lot of times, like, things will pass away. You know, like, that Pumpkinhead came out. Nobody ever right. talks about Pumpkinhead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember when somebody told me about Pumpkinhead on a bus. I was probably in fourth grade, and I was terrified. Yeah. I didn't even know what the... Well, and then, like, Pumpkin years... Head. <laughs> Pumpkinhead's <laughs> well, you, driving the bus. You know what's funny is, like, I almost thought it was, like, a fever dream. Yeah. Like, it years kind of later, like... feels like one. Somebody told me about it as a kid, and then yet... I was like... Some, didn't somebody tell me about a movie called Pumpkinhead? I was like, yeah. that's not real. And I looked it up. Boy, is it real. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. It's, it's not bad. It's Lance Hendrickson. Lance Hendrickson. And I like Lance I Hendrickson. good in that. He um, chews up scenery yeah. like no one. It's, it's not, it's not it's bad. It's, it's, it's one of those things where a few years ago, Netflix used to have all these B-horror movies yeah. and these, these, these B-slasher movies. Like, we watched Hulu's all... done that this year. Yeah, we Hulu, watched... Halloween. We yeah. watched, Hulu, like, Hulu and Amazon Prime. Like, we watched these now, but we watched all the sleepaway camps on there. Yes. Uh, we watched Pumpkinhead. We watched yep. all... Because that stuff, like we mentioned kind of in our Friday the 13th episode last week and Fear Fest, we go more... Any slasher we're going to watch needs to have a tinge of humor to it, and that's yeah. a lot of the 80s stuff. Um, and the, and the the let not the top tier, you know, you're looking right, at the like you know, the B the B horror movies. stuff that's endearing with how kind of hokey and yeah, corny camp kind of winks is. at the camera. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tongue in cheek stuff. That's yep, why yep. I mean, how or uh, Friday Thirteenth Six too is, is, was yeah, our absolutely. we put it in number yeah. one. Matt, I know I I had told you kind of a memory that I had with my first experience. I'll yeah, let you kind of. Harkin, Hark. What what was your you per, you personally your first kind of introduction? Well, I remember Burger King had um, uh, Universal Monster like uh, like kids meals. Yeah, and so I we, we had a Wolfman one, yep. and the I knew them just growing up. Like these were monsters, but like my interest started sort of in the fifth, sixth grade, something like that. In in our school library, we yeah. had these different books that were devoted to different like horror series yep. and so there was one devoted to the movie the universal movie oh, really? monsters yeah and so that's cool i picked up the one on frankenstein yeah and and there was just something i guess it was just the the stage i was in i was getting into those and i just picked frankenstein and it was frankenstein and night of the hunter were the two that Oh. And Night of the Hunter isn't Universal movie. We could monsters, have a podcast but, just on Night of the Hunter. But that movie, oh. I always sort of they intertwine together because yeah. I sort of discovered them at the same time. And that movie's a classic. Oh, they're both. Yeah, um, I remember, awesome. and I remember latching on to Frankenstein and just deciding like one weekend I was like I'm gonna ask mom to rent Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because it looks really interesting. And then also rent Night of the Hunter. So the two of those were rented at the same time. Yep. And of those two movies, Night of the Hunter was the only one that I really, really enjoyed. Whereas yep. Frankenstein, I was like, this isn't scary. Like, and at the time, I didn't have like 
the mindset of embracing the context of when it right. ju- when it was made. I was just like, well, this, this is lame. Yeah, yeah you're a yeah. kid. You don't really understand. Night of the Hunter, very, I mean, not to go down a rabbit hole, no, but like but, that yeah. could really prey on you as a kid. I could mm-hmm. see as a kid watching it and being like, woo. Yeah. I'm not talking to any strangers ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I think that was that's what kind of opened up a fascination to a world of black and white movies too. Yeah. Growing yeah, that's up true. the only black and white I mean, I'd walk through the living room and mom and dad would be watching one on uh Turner Turner classic movies. Schindler's or list. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's one of those old black and white movies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a great popcorn flick. Um, <laughs> but like growing up it's until until I was like late elementary school in my teenage years mm. i anytime it's a wonderful life came on mom and dad want to watch it go back to my room like call call me <laughs> yeah. we watch christmas story yeah. call me watch christmas vacation now, you just don't have an love, appreciation really exactly you know, you know it's it's i think i think everybody should have an appreciation for black and white because it's all you know these i mean these all of them minus maybe a few of the earlier stuff, like in Phantom of the Opera, the Lon yeah. Chaney one, mm-hmm. um, they actually have two shots where it's two color Technicolor, yeah. just blue and red. Where he's dressed as Death. He's as yeah. the Mask of the Red Death. Yes. He's, he's walking through the 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 um like the Opera Hall, the Opera Hall, and and in the lobby, it's, it's yeah. very unsettling, yeah, because it is a very like unnerving color palette. Like it's the the subject. They did that matter. in the black and white movie. In the black yeah. and white movie, I did not they, know they, that. They it's unnerving scenes. watching it now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I you think on, awesome. honestly, whenever I think because there's a few other, um, I think, I think they did a color take. They did color promo shots for. Um, Ghost of Frankenstein or Frank, Son of Frankenstein. Son yeah. of Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, and but then they, I th- he was where you wouldn't get the makeup yeah. and right. And then and then I think they did Black Cat. Maybe I don't know. They yeah. they yeah. F- they fooled with that two color Technicolor later in the 30s and into the 40s, but they still kind of went with black and white. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's unnerving in itself, just because it's you're not used to just that color palette. You have this right. whole color wheel that yeah. they use, um, but they just had two filters. But well, and for when that to show up, I mean, or, ugh, gosh, when that shows up yeah. within the movie in a, in the context of a movie that is completely black and white, yeah. it almost would, I mean, it's jarring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So I think with black and white movies, it's all story and yeah. it's all mm-hmm. you, and it's depending on the, the genre, the ingenuity yeah. of how they did the special effects the and too. the dialogue. Yeah. That's why you should have an appreciation for it because if you truly say you like movies, yeah. I think I'm not telling you, you have to have a steady diet of black and white movies, right, right. but I think it's important to have an appreciation to know where the movies you like yeah. now were, they got their ideas some way or another. For me, these these Universal movies are only effective in black and white. Yeah, right. Because of the gothic aesthetic they have to them, it mm-hmm. like they only work when all you have it. I, the gothic aesthetic to me only works in black and white. Right. With the fog and then like cemeteries and like the nighttime shots. The, and the wolf man walking through the yeah. fog in the woods. Oh or, man. You know, yeah. but, you know, that's, I don't, I don't think that would work without just oh. black and white. Yeah. Sorry. I just remember no, yeah. something. Yeah. One of my other earliest memories of this, you guys will get a kick out of this was full house. 
Yeah, uh, we're, the, the we're Wolfman episode. Yes. The Wolfman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember that, and I was like, "Is it really scary?" And I thought because they were scared on that show, yeah. I should probably be really scared. Right, right. And so I, I stayed away from the Wolfman for a long time because I was like, "Oh man, that's probably the scariest one." Mm-hmm. There's but, exactly, and, and and the the tone of these movies are so ominous, and the black and white lends itself to that, even during a daytime shot, or yep. even when there's two characters who are just talking to each other and then like whatever monster isn't even in the scene, you know that you're going to see them eventually. And mm-hmm. I think the black and white lends itself to that because you don't have a striking color palette in a daytime scene Absolutely. to take your mind off of that. Mm-hmm. Everything is still, you know, everything still has a Gothic look to it, a Gothic feel to mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And to, to kind of add on to your experience, Matt, those, uh, they were, you'd meant, you mentioned that I was, sorry, I was getting a, uh, promo shots for Instagram there. You mentioned no, that's that okay. the, yeah. they, these orange, you said they're, they're orange books. Yeah. They, yes. They were, there were these orange, cause they also had, I, I checked one out from the library. It's where I read about Jaws and the thing. And the Exorcist. And oh, the Exorcist. That scared the shit out of me. Yeah. yeah like, that's I'm, a terrifying I'm never movie. touching that one. I, I just saw images from it. I've I mean, never seen the movie. I've, yeah. I've, nope. I've watched Ugh. a few documentaries and I'm like, nope, I, I feel like I'm going to be cursed if I watch any more of this documentary. <laughs> I don't mess with the paranormal poltergeist. Yeah. as far as the paranormal as I'll go. I love poltergeist. Um, but. Great. Those orange books, so like that's where like Matt mentioned, Night of the Hunter and Frankenstein, and they also had Jaws and the Thing, yeah, and The yeah. Exorcist, and the Wolfman, and the Wolfman. Yeah. And so I was, we were the only kids in our elementary school checking those books. <laughs> we we had to have been the only. Were they kids. in the adult section? They were just they were, spread yeah, out. They're, they're behind a beaded like curtain. Yeah, they were in the. They're well, in the no, that's not what I mean. Like, I, I mean, know, they, they weren't in the kids section. Yeah, upstairs. no, well, no, it's like, in, in the, and that's a slippery slope because it's a kids because it's a it's, school library. It's the, so, oh, okay. so yeah. it's, it's just it's a lot of donated library, yeah. stuff. So gotcha. I remember I remember the section they were in was kind of a cornered off section, not purpose. They weren't put there purposefully as in a corner off section, but they were kind of a section not a lot of kids ventured into. So that could have lent itself to. But honestly. How many of these kids were itching to know about Jaws? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it, but, and also, right. I would say that the allure of those books mainly came as the weather was starting in to get October, chilly yeah. in right. October, and there was a nip in the air, and, right. and you know that. Yeah. And, and our, our elementary school had no hallways, so it literally was just like classroom doors spread, kind of like a motel setup, mm-hmm. yeah. but they were classrooms. Yeah. And the library was in the only like hallwayed off section of the, the school. library and the gym. The and library and the gym are across from each other, and they were in, they weren't just on the outside, and so while you're in the library, you can see out the windows that it's overcast outside. Nice. And you know, when you walk mm-hmm. outside, the majority of your activity is outside, even if you're going from class to class. Yeah. And so just that exterior influence probably had a yeah. lot to do with yeah. it. You know. And that's what really helps with me. It just kind of sets the tone. Oh yeah. yeah definitely. With it, I, al- I always, I draw on the memory I'm about to say that builds on kind of what Matt had said, but I always, I draw on these universal monsters because it is, it reminds me of a more innocent time on how I built yeah. Halloween yeah. to myself. Yeah. Like now, ever since high school, it's, you know, I got to watch, I got to watch a couple of the slasher mm-hmm. movies to kind of get in the mood, you know, I'll, you know, do this, this, and there it's, a lot there's a lot of just things shrouded in cynicism and not yeah. that these aren't shrouded in cynicism um but i have more of a positive light shed on it because of how innocent you know i could read about frankenstein but 
I'm going to turn around and watch Great Pumpkin. Or I'm yeah. going to turn around and watch this Halloween documentary rented from the library. Yeah. Or it all has this very innocent tinge to it, yeah. like something on Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon or yeah. something like that. Um, as a sidebar too, to yeah. anyone who's listening, we're referring to him as Frankenstein. We know he's Frankenstein's monster, but if you can't beat right. him, join him. It's kind so of the monster <laughs> will be hither here from here on out. We're when we're talking about Frankenstein, we're talking, talking about, about the monster. Frankenstein's monster. monster. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the monster formerly known as Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but to kind everyone of, else knows him as Frankenstein. to kind of flesh out <laughs> Matt's memory there. Um, I this is. This and maybe a, the a fall festival we went to when we were ten that was being held mm-hmm. at our elementary school oh, are man. two of the biggest elementary school Halloween memories. So it was a mm-hmm. it was a dreary overcast Saturday, and it was it had rained all day, but it kind of the skies kind of cleared up and we were running errands with our mom. Was, we were twelve years old. We were, I, I I'm pretty sure we were twelve. Uh, we were twelve years old and running errands with our mom, and uh, we got Sonic for lunch. Stopped at the video store. Got rented Frankenstein, Frankenstein and Night of the Hunter, yeah. and went home and I was eating like like an apple cinnamon like uh, Halloween snack cake. Yeah, like, yeah, you were. So <laughs> I was eating it. I love everything about I, it. I, I, we we could have been drinking apple cider too. Our mom, our mm. mom like gets those seasonal things too. Your mom so, does it right. Yeah. yeah. So she's a good mom. She is. Mm-hmm. A, she's a very good mom. Um, but we were watching Frankenstein. And I remember being captivated just by how it contributed to that day. Yeah. I wasn't necessarily like Matt said, I wasn't interested in the movie really. Like I wasn't I was kind of bored with it. They have um um what's his name damn it, what's his name? Um he plays Van Helsing in Dracula. Oh, Edward Ed, Edward Van Sloan. Edward yeah. Van Sloan yeah. comes on and he gives this like word of warning to the audience. Mm-hmm. Um it's actually used in our at the beginning of the episode, as you all mm-hmm. probably have heard, that's him. That's the word of warning well, that we warned you. Yeah, and it was used in our Halloween promo too. <laughs> yeah, he's. Um, I warn you, you, this may be shocking. It may be shocking. Oh, it may shock you. Yeah. yeah, I noticed that when you uh, yeah. when I uh, first heard uh, the start of the podcast a few weeks ago, I was like. Is that the thing from Franken- Frankenstein? Uh, I don't yeah. know if it is. Yeah, yeah. it is. I, yeah, <laughs> I Dr. Volman, that, Sloan. E- yeah. Even, even though, even though at the time the movie itself kind of bored me, there were those things that stuck out, and yeah. there was those things that intrigued me. Yeah, that kind of stuck there. That I was like, my time isn't my time to appreciate these isn't yet. Yeah, but my time will come to appreciate them. And I was like, just, just leave room for these universal movies. And I'm really glad I did. I didn't write them off right away Yeah, because I was bored with Frankenstein. It actually, the, the crappy part is the reason like I was bored with Frankenstein. So I just assumed I'd always be bored with it, which is furthest from the truth. Um, I mean, we watched Frankenstein the other night. That might've been the first time I've watched it all the way through since I was 12. But like, I, I enjoyed it. The, Parts of it were like slow. It's another one of those movies that it's not really an orchestra, but Bride of Frankenstein. Bride of Frankenstein yeah, is, is, is a better is 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 better. That is one's yeah. more sophisticated, it's more, more it's, dynamic. It is more. It's depth. considered, I think, a better movie. Oh, it than is the original Frankenstein. It like it's so. def- it's it, it's a better movie. Um, I mean, all the way through, you're kind of engaged in what's going on. Yeah. The story, you can tell kind of what's going on. The way it builds off of the first one is really, really good and it's really consistent. Yeah. More happens. Um, and Frankenstein actually has a body count in that movie. Yeah. He, he, when, when he, when he sees after the events of the first movie, when you see he's still alive, yeah. right away he starts killing. But 
the thing is, and when watching the scene, I, I cannot help but think of young Frankenstein. But when he encounters, when he encounters <laughs> the little the, girl, when he, not the little girl, but the the hermit and oh, Bride yes. of Frankenstein. Yes, yes, all yes. I thought it was Gene Hackman and Peter Boyle. But yeah, um, but <laughs> wait, like, mm. like, I, like, I, it, like it's that's cigars, that's actually cigars. that's that's a very good scene oh, where, great where scene. it builds and develops. Frankenstein is a sympathetic, more of a sympathetic character. Yeah. And it's a really heartwarming scene between these two um, hermits, these two guys who have been kind of outcast from society. Yeah. And the hermit just wants a friend, and he's te- he teaches Frankenstein how to speak mm-hmm. and how to appreciate some the, some of the simple right. things in life. And it's really really nice. And that that upset me. <coughs> Sorry. Um, like the scene where the hermit, when the hermit exits, he. Uh, he said something like, no, no, my friend, like the, the, the townspeople who encounter the hermit asking if he like saw which way the monster went or something like that. And he's like, Oh, you're blind. They're like, there's a shot where they're taking him out to get him away from the monster. And he's like visibly upset. Cause he's like, they just took him away from his friend and Frankenstein yeah. got his friend taken away from him. So that only right. intensifies his hate for the his townspeople. And his and his yeah. So yeah, yeah. there's more of that dynamic in the depth. And then when, the well, bride, like, when the bride shows up, when she when she rejects, rejects him, him. Right. that that's kind of the final, no pun intended, wrong monster, but final stake in the heart right. of yeah. the viewer. Well, and I think going off of what you just said, mm-hmm. I think what makes it work is they actually develop Frankenstein mm-hmm. into a character. Right. He's not just this monster. Like you actually get, like you said, sympathy, sympathy for him. Mm-hmm. But like they, they make him three dimensional in this one. The first one, he's more just a thing that was brought to life. And it's yeah, kind of yeah. like a MacGuffin in a way. Mm-hmm. He's just kind of like, he's, he's the result of Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah. And they're the like, it's character. a monster. He kills, you know? And it's like, well, you know, and, and like, I mean, he, he does something, but he's not like, there's not really anything that's given to him as a character mm. enhancing piece. Like he, there's yeah. nothing there that really does anything to, to enhance his character. Like the Wolfman, we know him as we know Lon, Lon Chaney Jr. is just like, oh, what's the character? What's his, what's the Wolfman's name? Larry Talbot. Larry yes. Talbot. Larry Talbot. Thank yeah. you. Larry Talbot. You actually get to know a bit mm-hmm. before yeah. he becomes the Wolfman. So you care about him. Mm-hmm. Dracula. I mean, you don't really, you know, he's a vampire. Yeah. And, he's supposed to be a bad guy. I mean, he's bad. So yeah. you don't really care for him, but you do know his motivation. You understand. Whereas sure. Frankenstein, you're just kind of like, Okay, he's this monster. Like, do I? I don't really feel anything one way or the other right. that bad about him. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Bride of Frankenstein, yeah, because the hermit scene mm-hmm. alone really just kind of, or not just that one scene, but like, right, just how it develops yeah, over time. He goes back and forth between <clears throat> like when he gets frustrated in that movie, when he grows impatient, when he wants right um, Doctor Frankenstein to assist. Uh, Dr. Pretorius. Dr. Pretorius and creating yeah. a mate for him. You can tell it's because he's lonely and he wants companionship. He wants a friendship. Right. It's not out of pure hatred or right. pure evil, yeah. um, but because he has an abnormal brain, he lashes out and, right. and he, it results in him killing people. Um, but you mentioned uh, Lon Chaney Jr. With Larry Talbot as the Wolfman, you get to grow and really get to know him and like him, which makes the change even more tragic. Just just the mantle of Wolfman is tragic. Yes. Because some, one of the 
themes that they keep bringing up is that with the wolf man, that even a man who's pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolf bane blooms and autumn moon is bright. Mm-hmm. So it's like you could be pure of heart and you could do nothing wrong and still become a monster. Yeah. And that's why it's so tragic when he eventually becomes the wolf man. Yeah. It, you, you really feel bad for him because he, he, he doesn't want to be this monster and it's just, it's that one. And as far as atmosphere is great, that one's tough to watch because you really like Larry. Tell yeah. Him. You care about him as a person and you just kind of see this de-evolution of a guy that like, you're like, gosh, like he has no way out other than, right. I mean, someone's going to have to shoot him with a silver bullet and then that's it. And plus like, when no one believe when it's people just tell you it's all in your head. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, that's a, that's his story arc throughout all of his appearances. Is mm-hmm. he's this tragic character with this inner turmoil? Who's yeah. like, I, I don't want people around me. I, I need to, I need to. I think it was, oh god, was it Ghost of Frankenstein? Where he like, it, or uh, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman? Yeah, Frankenstein uh, meets so the Wolfman. Yeah. Frankenstein meets the Wolfman is the first time we see Larry Talbot interact with a Frankenstein, which is um, at that time Bella Lugosi. Which yeah. Is, yeah, which is Bella, <laughs> who looks which, terrible. But yeah, but, but it was he had two stunt guys like like yeah. doing all the physical. Right. Plus right. that that monster once that movie comes along, he was blinded in Ghost of Frankenstein. Right. So right. so the reason his moving is jilted right. is because he's supposed to be blind he, he anyway. Be, yeah, he which Ghost of Frankenstein also had. No, um, Son of Frankenstein. Yeah. Uh, he was blind in Son of Frankenstein, which... Um, Ghost of Frankenstein. Well, in Son of Frankenstein, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, so Le- Bela Lugosi is it's, Igor. It's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. where you first, you're yeah. first introduced to the character of Bela Lugosi as Igor, yes, and Igor, then, yeah, yeah, Ghost of Frankenstein is a different... It's, it's yeah. Wolf it's Frankenstein, yeah. yeah, trying to... Yeah. He's, trying, he's trying to put give Frankenstein uh, uh, a better brain, right. but yeah. Igor moves it to where right. yeah. he gets his brain. And listeners, there. just so that you know, we've all talked about this. We're going to try and keep it to the original canon. Yeah. yeah. That just the original movies because it gets super crazy with House of Frankenstein and House of Dracula too. and yeah. Son of This and Son of the Nevis. Abbott Costello about the Frankenstein. Oh, we the might Abbott go into Costello that just because that, that would be I kind of fun. I love Abbott That's Costello a great movie. Frankenstein. But yeah. I think maybe the only one that we're probably really planning on which we already kind of have branching off to his bride, bride of Frankenstein because it's so good. Yeah. yeah. It's because great. It's an essential one. If you're going to have, I mean the cover of this universal monsters book, I mean, what's funny too is bride of Frankenstein, the bride only is on screen. Three right? minutes. She's three minutes. Three minutes of screen three time. Three minutes of screen time. But it's and, memorable. And she's yeah. a also part Lanchester. Of, she's a Lancaster, part of, sorry. Lancaster. Is it Lanchester? Lanchester. Okay. Lanchester. Lanchester. Yeah. It looks, also if you Lanchester. look at it quickly, it looks like Lancaster, but it's Lanchester who yeah. plays two parts in the movie. She's Mary Shelley in the prologue. Oh, that's right. Prelude. And then, um, the bride, yeah. <laughs> the bride, Son and and, Ka- and Katie Nana and <laughs> Mary, yeah, Poppins. And Mary Poppins, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, okay. uh, but I mean, but she she is such an impact that I mean, she's on the cover of this book, and she yeah. would be on a she would be on kind of she would have a statue in the Universal Hall of Fame, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. But back to Larry Talbot and right. Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. He wants mm-hmm. he wants Doctor Frankenstein to kill him. Yeah. yeah, pretty much a lot of yeah. a lot of his appearances, he wants to protect others from himself and other monsters, like in um, Avon Costello, meet Frankenstein, and or he just wants to die. It's mm-hmm. like what, like why did you? And whenever he's brought I back here? to life, yeah, he's like, why, why did, did you bring, bring me back to life? Yeah. I just want to die. I need to get some water. No, so you're good. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think uh, kind of going back off of, um, I wanted to say this earlier. 
um, Matt, when we were talking about the lack of music. Yeah. And I think, granted, music can really set the scene, can really right. set the tone for something. I mean, Jaws, without the... Dun, 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 like, I mean, you're like... Yeah. Uh, yeah, th- there's not as much urgency. Right. But I think here, when you're just hearing the crackling of the film, yeah, if someone were to walk up behind you there's while tension. you're just watching there's this, because there, there's yeah. no sound and someone just like slaps their hand on your yeah. shoulder, you're going to jump. Yeah, because, exactly. I mean, because one, you're like, you're not really expecting to like jump out of your skin for these movies necessarily. Right. But because you're engaged, and it really the big part of this mo- uh, these movies is dialogue. I love the dialogue in the, mm-hmm. in these movies, like what you just read the whole thing about, yeah. like even a, even a man's uh, even pure a, of heart and says his yes. prayers. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And like the, the gypsy woman like says mm-hmm. it to uh, Larry Talbot and it's just, it's great writing. That's just yeah. great. Yeah. And it's so engaging and it just really sets lore up and it really sets up the, the mythology and the backstory of like how these monsters, you know, yep. mm-hmm come about and that kind of thing. It's just, I, that's the kind of stuff I love. Yeah. It, like like yeah. in Ghostbusters, I love all the goofy Smart, nonsense stuff. Dialogue. But like, it's great. I love the technical jargon stuff that they have here. Like all the stuff, um, uh, the Edward Van Sloan says as, cause he's like three different doctors. Yeah. And he's, he's Van Helsing. In uh, in Dracula, he's, he's one profess- of the doctors. In, uh, Frankenstein, he's Doctor Frankenstein's professor. Right, Dr. and Baldwin. then he's yeah. in, uh, and then he's in the Mummy as um, oh, I can't remember his character in the Mummy. He's like one of the guys that's like kind of helping yeah. the uh, the archaeologists. Yeah, so. I lo- I love his Van Helsing because because he, there's this air about him that he's not gonna buckle, like if if backed against a corner by Dracula. Mm-hmm. No, he's like, formidable. Yeah, he he's he's like he's like I know how to defeat you. Yeah. yeah. He's like I know exactly what to do. Like you don't scare me. Yeah. And I I just really And he's like, a man that wholeheartedly believes it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And what like Roddy McDowell in yeah. Bright Nights. <laughs> <laughs> and I won. Yeah. That's one we haven't oh, watched boy. yet. I love, I love Fright Night. Yeah. Um that but, movie owes a lot to Dracula. Yeah, it yeah. does. Back back to dialogue too. Um, we keep bringing him up because he was such a charismatic and dynamic character, Doctor Pretorius, yeah. the yeah. real villain of Bride of Frankenstein, who, oh, not yeah, not yeah, stay. Yeah, 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 like not just him, but of the other kind of antagonists throughout the Universal canon that aren't monsters yeah. physically but are monsters in their heart and in their line of thinking dr pretorius is one of is a maniac he's one of the most you know maniacal and he's yeah. one of the most he's held he, he's on he's a lunatic life. he yeah. he he's, right. he's, he's he's tells dr frankenstein his objective is to create a new world of gods and monsters yeah like he wants to he i mean he has he has the scene i love to to kind of split off just a little bit kind of the dark comedy that is surrounded by dr pretorius yeah. and and it's kind of the moment the comedy that's kind of been added to bride of frankenstein um <laughs> but it's uh he he's created these miniature people and he wants dr frankenstein to show him how to create a bigger person because he wants to create a new world of people he can control of his mm. creation to be like a god. He's so clearly an atheist, and like you said, which yeah. is ironic He's, because you can't control these people. Yeah, right. exactly. And, and <laughs> I'm, I'm not like yes. and, you and can't that, control the things you're creating. And I don't, I don't say that because I don't think you know 
all 99% of the atheists I know are some of the best people I know. So I'm not right. saying atheists are antagonists. I'm just saying in Dr. Pretorius's case, in a world surrounded by, you know, you don't dive into the world of something that's contrary to the spiritual because you're seen as a bad guy in this time right. period. Mm, right. And he does that with no remorse and with no, you know, no shame. He's and kind think, of amoral. Really. Yeah. And, and that's actually, it's, and it's, that's what makes him such an enthralling villain. And yeah, such, you want to watch him. Yeah. You know, he, he, he takes, he chews up all of the scenery mm-hmm. he's in and he takes control of the scene and, it's it, it's a lot of his dialogue is just so he's the first one to say the bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's the big, title of the movie. <laughs> You're porky pig. Big deal. But it's it, the dialogue is is good. Um, Jeremy, you mentioned the 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 original canon. Some that I never really that I will watch eventually one day. I still appreciate, but I've never seen the original Mummy with Boris Karloff. Yeah, I've never seen The Invisible Man. I've never seen Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, you know, we haven't um, even hardly touched on The Invisible. The Man. Invisible yeah. Man was groundbreaking in its visual effects, yeah. especially yeah. for the time, like yep. how they made Cloud Rains played The Invisible Man, yeah. and he, the visual effects mm-hmm. to create. Yeah, that yeah. back then, especially to create the illusion that this person is invisible, yeah, required a lot of ingenuity. It's, Steven, you were explaining the process awesome. to me earlier. It's, it's very, it's very much the precursor, early, early precursor to chroma key. So anybody who doesn't, who's not familiar with that, chroma key is basically has to do with green screen and has to do, yeah. With, yeah. you know, when you somebody says key something in somebody acts against a green screen and you key in the scene that they're acting in mm-hmm. front of or the situation they're acting in front of is a very kind of base level way of looking at it. Um, but pretty much, so I had to read this a couple times because in old world, old cinema and celluloid jargon, I was like, I had to try and understand it, but pretty much what it was, it used four different filters. So two negatives were used as well, mm-hmm. along with two of the regular film filters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, what it did essentially, and I'm, this isn't verbatim, I'm going off the top of my head. If any of you are interested in how they did this, because like Matt said, it's genius how they did this. Mm-hmm. Um, they used, um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to read it in the book. All right. So, so a passage from about the invisible man effects from the Universal Studio Monsters, a legacy of horror. So today the film's special effects remain startling, but in 1933, they were astonishing. The total invisibility shots were accomplished using props controlled by wires, or else a process in which Reigns, or a stunt double, dressed completely in black and wearing a helmet that totally encased the head, manipulated objects using sticks against a solid black velvet background. A double was often used because of the grueling nature of the costume, which necessitated breathing through a tube. All shots of Griffin, who Claude Reigns' character, bandaged were the actor himself. When filmed, only the objects would show up and appear to be flowing, appear to be floating. This footage was then combined with the previously shot scene through use of the traveling mat process. So, like I said, the precursor to chroma key. So mm-hmm. instead wow. of you know, it was kind of a, a makeshift 
green screen that yeah. they use with all that black. This is in the velvet. 40s. This, yeah, yeah, exactly. This is crazy. Yeah. Uh, no, 1933. You, you, you had oh, to know. that was 33? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's right. The original one yeah. was in 33. You, you had right. to know exactly how your equipment right. worked yeah. and how to manipulate it. Yeah. So using the traveling map process in which four separate layers of images, two positive and two negative, were overlaid and printed into a single composite picture. That's fascinating. The shots showing the Invisible Man partially dressed were done the same way, Rain's double, wearing whatever item of clothing was needed over the black jumpsuit, would be filmed against the black background, and only the clothing piece would show up. This footage would then be matted into the scene. So again, that chroma key. Wow. Um, it's kind of like Weathermen. Oh yeah. Today. Exactly. Exactly. That's a certain kind of. That's what weather people do. Yeah. yeah they go up against a, a green screen. That's awesome. Um, for shots in which Griffin, so again Claude Rains' character, directly interacted with another character, both actors would be filmed against the velvet and then matted into the background plates. Any flaws in the process were corrected by hand on each frame of film and estimated sixty-four thousand frames. Oh my gosh. A painstaking process to say the least yeah exactly (laughs) and i i'd say that's not something to be taken for granted especially against what we have as special effects now so just keep that in mind if you ever watch the invisible man or see anything about that and see the effects like yeah compared to what you've seen now you're like oh that looks bad but just think about the work that went into it at the time like everything needs to be looked at contextually Mm -hmm. especially like we were mentioning before how when we watch these movies now they're not particularly scary but you really have to take a step back and put yourself in the shoes of an audience member back then and at least you can get an appreciation for what it did how it completely shocked people especially the reveal of frankenstein's monster and the first frankenstein and Mm -hmm. just how just these images people saw and how they're like shrieks and screams in the theaters Mm -hmm. and like before that we didn't have anything like it so well and i think to have an appreciation for it doesn't mean you necessarily have to react how the audience back then reacted exactly like we've seen so many things now that i mean anything that is practical is almost pedestrian like it's like "Eh, i've seen it yeah but i think I think if you really take the time and invest it in watching some of these movies, it it's worth it to just kind of see where we came from mm-hmm. and where we are now and to still really just wonder, this is 1930, 1930, 1940, mm-hmm. when these movies were made and how amazing they got, like they were able to get so many of these effects to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, Invisible Man by itself, that's, that's nuts. Mm-hmm. But the effects that they were able to do for uh, the Wolfman with uh, Larry Talbot, like just transforming yeah, and the hair and all of that, like that is something that they still like they did like that in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they were doing that in the, in the, in the forties. I think, I think that kind of thing is really worth like watching and appreciating mm-hmm even if it's not necessarily scary to you. But I mm-hmm. think I think there's just like in in kind of the the primitiveness of the effects, there's a charm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there is a creepiness to it, I yeah. think, which definitely. is great. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. And, yeah. And with, with the atmosphere it creates is it's definitely it's eerie and it is absolutely perfect for those who love Halloween. I say yeah. if you've never given it given them a shot, give them a shot, even if it's just 
checking it out for the eerie nature of it, especially yeah. if you love gothic things, gothic things and Halloween. Yep. Um, there's been, I mean, throughout the canon, throughout from the 30s, 40s, on through the early 50s, there were there were sequels galore to all of yeah. these movies. And then into the 50s, Universal, any of the scary stuff they were making was sci-fi related. Yeah. So they kind of lost its luster. And then... Well, for, and I... Sorry. No, no you're I, good. I, was gonna say, I did want to touch real quick base mm-hmm. on the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, yeah. Which, which was like did, the first... Or was right. the last like right. big... The Gill Man yeah. was definitely the final i think that was in the 50s right yeah, like, yeah. it was like 51 or something yeah uh matt and i actually watched that one together yeah we'd mm-hmm. never seen it it was all uh, right it was okay yeah. um it mm-hmm. i think it kind of lacked some of the others there were there were definitely some creepy things in it yeah uh, that iconic scene of the gill man swimming upside down underneath right. yeah. the uh the main uh lady character in the movie i don't remember i don't remember her name but, yeah um that scene was really creepy mm-hmm. and yeah. really well done but in that movie at that time, like I think they, uh, there was music. They had an inserted music at that time. Yeah. So like some of that early crackling film thing, yeah. like that, all of that was gone. I think because yeah. it was in the fifties. So it happened like twenty years later. So it it was okay, but. Um, I think definitely by that time, kind of what you were saying, everything yeah. was kind of starting to go towards sci-fi more mm-hmm. than the gothic old time yeah. kind of yeah, monster this, movies. This, it was kind of an afterthought at that point. Yeah, They're yeah. like, yeah, okay, make your movie. It, it's, it, it's, it was more of the atomic age. The fear wasn't so much right. these monsters. It was these these atomic, you know, these, these worlds created by the atomic bomb. And right. stuff like yeah. So um, if, if we didn't have that time, we wouldn't have... An inspiration for the underrated John Goodman classic matinee. Yeah. Oh uh, my gosh! <laughs> and if you've never seen matinee, check it out. Check it out. It's, it's a so, great. It's so fun. It's a great Joe movie. Dante. It's who easy. Did Gremlins. It's a very inoffensive kind mm-hmm. of a movie. It's it takes you back to an earlier time. Yeah. And it's it's a breeze. It's really easy yeah. to get into. It's and it's John fun. Goodman is a lovable huckster. Oh, he's yeah. great. He's so great. Kathy so, Moriarty. Kathy Moriarty's great. She's great in that. Um, but. That was, those those were the universal monsters to us. Like yeah. those, those were. That's I mean, how it impacts this five weeks of fright. Exactly. Like it, there's something so dark and brooding and beautiful about them to mm-hmm. us. It is so. It's very simple compared to what we have today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I very much there's still a, an endearing and long-lasting charm to them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm glad glad we were able to talk about that. We're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna round out the show. Jeremy, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm really yeah. glad I was able to come and and share my thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really glad it's, it's great. this time of year. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if if there's anybody you and um and Jeff's wife Katie who we're gonna have on at the yeah. end of the month, like you guys are kind of like the ones that helped intensify and add <laughs> to our like Halloween enjoyment as as the last few years because mm-hmm. you guys blessed. love Halloween just as yeah. much as we do. Yeah. It's a nostalgia factor for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I'm such a huge nostalgia <clears throat> person that I think Halloween for whatever reason, it just really gives me all the feels. It just, yeah. I, I do like, I don't know. And it's not necessarily the spooky part of it. I mean, that definitely is a part, but it's, it, it just makes me feel like a kid again. Yeah. In a lot of sure. ways. It mm-hmm. makes me feel like a kid again. It makes me enjoy 
not know. I don't know. Like there's just a mystery to it a little yeah. bit. Like yeah, the, sure. the fear of the unknown sometimes can be a great thing. Like it can sometimes be just like, Oh man, there's things out there. We just don't know. Right. And there's, I don't know. Like it's, it's just fun to speculate. For it's sure. fun to, to get scared sometimes. And I just, I don't know. I just really enjoy the season and the feel of the season and the smell of it. Same. It's just, it's wonderful. Yeah. Same. It's awesome. And we can't wait to have you on next month with Jess. We're going to be having a retrospect about uh, John Candy. Ooh, so I can't, wait for, I can't wait for that. That'll be really fun. I can't yeah, wait for that. It'll be great. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Um, I mean, you all know where to find us. So yeah. we're, we're we, kind of running short on time here. So you all know where to find us on Instagram and Facebook and mm-hmm. Twitter and where to yep. listen to us. Give us those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts if you if you would, please. Again, Jeremy, thank you for joining us. Yep. Check Thanks out, for having our, me. Ins- check out yeah. our Instagram. We're going to have some pictures of yeah. uh, the Radcast Instagram. We'll have some pictures of this little setup we got. Yep. Next really, week. Really digging this atmosphere. Yep. Next week, we're going to be tackling another thing that Matt and I grew up with, the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror But until then, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, because why would you be rude when you could be rad? We'll see you next time. This concludes our broadcast day.